live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. What were the most significant events of 2015? I'll tell you what happened, why it matters, and how my predictions panned out. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And this is the last show of the year for me. We are broadcasting live. It's December 26th. And I am going to tell you what I picked out as the 10 most significant events of 2015. But I'm not just running down the news stories. I'm going to tell you what I think they really mean, which is not the same thing as what you're getting in the mainstream media, because most of these events, in my opinion, are used for policies, for agendas that uh, I think don't reflect the real significance of these events. And I'm also, what I also did was, so my last show of the year is always a year in review, and my first show of the year is my, what I expect in the year ahead. So this year, though, and I think I did this last year also, I went back to the beginning of the year to see what I predicted for 2015. And I pulled out any of the bullet points from that, uh, my notes, that apply to things that actually did happen. And I, I did not cherry pick my top 10 for 2015 to reflect what I predicted, I found, I noticed later that almost all of my top 10 was on, was the same as the top 10 that the Associated Press came up with when they polled editors and news directors. So with maybe one or two exceptions, I picked the same events, but weirdly, a lot of my predictions came true. So I'll tell you about that, but I also want to know what you think were the top events or the significance of these events. So give a call, 404-872-0750 or 800-WSB-TALK. And I'm going to start with from the bottom. So I'm going to tell you what I think was the 10th uh, most significant event, still significant, because a lot happened in 2015. So even the least important thing is hugely important. So my number 10 was the continuing oil crash. Oil hit, I just when I checked it, last time I checked it in December, so like a week or two ago, the low I observed was $36 a barrel. That is lower than the 2008 financial cataclysm price of $46 a barrel. It's off. The oil price is off 66% from June 2014. So a year and a half ago, it was almost three times as high. So the official story is supply and demand accounts for this. Or if you want to go down the rabbit hole, it was Saudi Arabia was uh, trying to kneecap the frackers fracking in the U.S., and I totally reject both of those theories because, for a few reasons, one is supply. if supply and demand were truly the force at work, then the economic standstill we experienced in 2008 should have brought oil to the lowest prices ever. And our prices now are lower than that. Also, the idea of fracking 
if Saudi Arabia wanted to kneecap our fracking industry, they would have gutted the prices of uh, energy, which it all kind of is interrelated because they're substitutes, would have uh, gutted those prices before the industry invest- invested in a lot of fixed costs. It would have... Because uh, now that once you make the investment, you, a lot of people will still wait in the wings for the price to recover. They have a kind of uh, bigger threat in the background. Also, the this it happened so quickly. In 18 months, it it declined by 66%. That's not a, a reflection of feedback mechanism and pricing from supply and demand. And there and and really, we know it's a cartel that has. Uh, fixed prices. So a lot of times cartels don't work, but OPEC seems to be pretty effective. So what do I think really happened? Why it's really going on? Well, let me read you my prediction from last year. So it had already been going on for a couple of months, really not even um, too long, but I predicted that it would continue. And the way I wrote it was Saudi oil psyop continuing. Low prices till Russian capitulation on the Ukraine, or at least till the end of winter. So my feeling then and my feeling now is that the price of oil is being held down by Saudi Arabia because Russia depends very seriously on a high price of oil for its budget to clear. So at this time last year, their budget integrated a $90 a barrel price of oil. So now it's almost a third of that, not quite, but pretty low. And that devastates the Russian uh, budget, and it has ripple effects throughout the economy, all that stuff. And and my thinking is that Russia was kind of stepping out of line when it came to Ukraine and now Syria, and the West wants to push back on that. And I think of the whole, and this is going to come up later on in this show today, too. Russia appears again in my top 10 list of 2015. But I look at what's going on with Russia as possibly uh, occurring at one of two levels, maybe even both levels. The first level is what you see is what you get. Russia and the West are competing for dominance in Ukraine and Syria and all that. It seems to me pretty clear, if you do your own research at all, that it's about supplying gas specifically to Europe, that Ukraine and Turkey are uh, are ways, like pipeline ways to get gas from Russia and Russian allies into Europe. So Ukraine is there. They have big uh, gas conduits from Russia to Europe, and really Europe can't live without that. And, and likewise, the, there is a huge gas field between Iran and, and Qatar where they want to build pipelines. I, Iran wants to build a pipeline up through Syria and Turkey into Europe, and Qatar wants to build a pipeline up through Saudi Arabia, Syria, Turkey into Europe. So, so that, in my opinion, is why we're on opposite sides with Russia in Syria and Ukraine. It's about energy dominance in Europe. But you could... Go really down the rabbit hole, and the and I'm only doing this because several things point to this as a long-term goal. And a couple of years ago, a regular caller and listener, Bob from Gainesville, pointed this out, and I and it's just always seems to be a possibility that when a country is in economic dire straits, it 
will it it might turn to war and if you look back at fdr and the great depression many people say that world war ii pulled us out of the great depression i mean with any kind of economic observation the idea that breaking things and destroying things is a way to heal an economy uh, is a little twisted but that is a pretty current thing and in any case it helps the political power maintain its hierarchy because people will rally around the government even if they're hurting they'll even think of hurting as a sacrifice that's for a greater good so what if the western world wanted and i know this is like uh I wouldn't even consider this if I didn't think it actually happened before. What if they really wanted World War III? I mean, they certainly act recklessly enough. But if they really thought that World War III could serve some purpose, perhaps bringing Russia to its knees would be one way to get them uh, up against the wall and participate in a major war. And the only reason I even, you know, say that's a one in a hundred possibility or one in a thousand. The only reason I even give it that much Credit is that World War One was uh, a stepping stone to the League of Nations, which was an attempt at world government. World War Two gave way to the United Nations, another uh, uh, attempt at world government. And it is possible that the uh, the power elite would see uh, the need for another major war in order to lead to. Uh, what Pope Benedict called for, and I kind of liked Pope Benedict, uh, the predecessor to the current Pope Francis, he called for a true world authority. I mean, that's a world government by a slightly different name. So if that's really the plan, I could see how creating an economic crisis in Russia would foster that plan. And other items on my list also give some support to the idea that World government continues to be the goal of the power elite. So that was number 10. That was a long one, but it was quite significant, even though it's number 10, and it was a little complicated. But the other ones I'll take off more quickly. Number nine was the Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership. In my opinion, uh, that that wasn't actually an event in 2015. That'll probably uh, be passed in ratified or however they call it in 2016, but in 2015, Congress gave Obama and his successor. So for six years, the president will have trade promotion authority, which basically, in my opinion, abdicates. It's Congress abdicating its congressional responsibility to advise and consent on treaties. So they are supposed to uh, opine on it and have an influence over the treaty and then consent by a super majority, so greater than 50%. But this TPA, Trade Promotion Agreement Authority, allow they just can give an up-no-no no vote, uh, up-down vote, straight majority, 51 votes or whatever in, in the Senate, and not really dig into the details of this 5,000-page uh trade agreement and and the left doesn't like it because they think it's going to drive down wages and outsource jobs the right doesn't like it because it really seems to be a threat to our sovereignty and that it'll have legislative and judicial uh, powers that we have no further recourse once this thing is signed it's kind of on its own without any kind of popular representation but i also feel that this plays into the world government thing because the first step to world government, if you kind of read up on it a little bit, how it, it began to be formulated, kind of strategy for it in the 20th century, 
was first to regionalize and to do it through economic apparatuses. So this is going to be the Pacific Trade Partnership. There's also going to be an Atlantic Trade Partnership, which will probably get signed during this term of Trade Promotion Authority. But there's also something Ted Cruz's wife promoted called the North American Union, which is supposed to erase borders between Canada, the U.S., and Mexico with regards to people and goods. That's an interesting one. You can look on my website for it if you haven't read about that, MonicaPerezShow.com. And just generally speaking, having an overarching economic, worldwide economic apparatus without representation from the people is uh, obviously plays into world government and away from our kind of sovereign local control. So I think... The Trade Promotion Authority is a big one. It happened to be one that the editors, according to the AP poll, did not think was in the top 10. Uh, but I certainly do. And I want to know what you think. So I'm going to get to your calls and give you my uh, next biggie. After this, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB talking about the year in review from my perspective, what the significance, the true significance of the events of 2015 are. But I also want to hear from you, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. I got a tweet from Rob that says, and Rob is a trucker. I've gotten tweets from him before. And as the daughter and sister of over-the-road truckers, I hear where he's coming from. He he said his three most significant things in 2015 were the ELD mandate, which is the electronic logging device. I'll tell you what that means in a second. The transportation funding bill was passed. And three, finding my show. Finding your show, he said, about my show, which uh, I really love that. Thank you, Rob. We don't agree on everything, so I extra love that. Uh, I, I especially love having listeners and tweeters and callers where we have a little difference of opinion makes it more interesting but i wanted to say something about this electronic logging device he's talking about because my brother is a couple of my brothers are truck drivers but my one brother who just has to record every single thing and really tries to make a living this way and uh it's if they they hook up this electronic logging device so they basically know everything about all your moves they they're monitoring you all the time and of course it's promoted as safety 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 but the fact is to micromanage people's lives like that really first of all can be maddening it's totally inefficient it is a a slippery slope to getting more and more of that and my feeling is to have this perfect 100 percent compliance with every tiny little law would be okay if laws were perfect, if laws reflected all the the little intricacies of life. But they're not perfect. They're, they're, the only thing that's perfect is a system where the powers in the individual, the feedback gets heard. Yes, you shouldn't fall asleep on the wheel or be drunk and drive, and there are punishments for that. But this kind of 100% total surveillance drives me crazy. And it's going to come up in my top 10 list for 2015. But up next, my next item is the climate change agreement, which I think is designed to fail. And I'm going to tell you why. This is Monica Perez. Live and festive in the public's holiday headquarters studio at WSB. You got me excited. 
because this would truly be both an adventure and a learning experience. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And I give you the libertarian perspective. So I'm going back over the year 2015, picking my top 10 stories, which were very mainstream picks. My my top 10 stories are almost identical with the overall uh, news director and editor's picks in an AP poll. But my interpretation of those events are very different. And uh, and I even made some predictions anticipating these events, which I'll tell you about. But I want to hear your views too. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show or post on my Facebook page. I got a Facebook post from Clayton saying uh, the three I, – I posted something asking what's you, what are your three – what were the three biggest things that happened in 2015? So Clayton said Trump, ISIS – and civil unrest due to police shootings. Two of three two of three of these are created by the power elite. But I would say, Clayton, that all three of them are created by the power elite. Trump, ISIS, civil unrest due to police shootings, or at least promoted by the power elite for an agenda. And we can uh, actually, all of those things come up in my top 10 as well. So we can dig into those if you're interested in what I mean. Before the break, I did my first two, which were this oil crash continues and the trade promotion authority Congress gave Obama, which will lead to the Trans-Pacific trade deal and the transatlantic trade deal coming up. And to me, both of those things, uh, the oil crash, just because it promotes conflict with Russia and the Trade Promotion Authority because it creates this regional economic apparatus, actually really from like Japan to Germany, an economic apparatus. But these things play into what I think is a well-established goal of the power elite to have a world government or what Pope Benedict called a world, a true world authority. And one of the things that I, I read about that about uh, something specific i read a report i've called myself obsessed with this report i mentioned it a couple of weeks ago when the paris climate accord was reached and it and i mentioned it because it's it's the origin of where people say the environmental global warming thing is a hoax this report from iron mountain in the 60s talked about how it was supposedly and i believe because of some research i've done you can look at my website see if you agree with me that it was genuinely a leaked government document. And it said that uh, because real world war is unlikely in the face of nukes, because it would actually destroy everything, maybe it's not a real deterrent to keep people in line, to keep people scared and therefore subservient to government, we might need something else, something complicated, something scary, something that will kill people that will require a world government to battle. And it said specifically an environmental hoax of massive proportions with scientists falling in line and never breaking ranks about it would serve that purpose of giving us a justification for world government. So I am always kind of aware that I'm not saying there aren't environmental issues. I don't like pollution. I don't like waste. 
I mean, I was raised by a libertarian who is also a conservationist. He would tell us, turn off the water, turn off the lights, and, and subsidizing things like roads and airports and wars for oil just promote this hyperactive economic activity that does waste resources. Whereas if you didn't subsidize that stuff, you would have uh, a pricing mechanism, a feedback mechanism that would put on your plane ticket the real cost of running an airport, the real cost of running air traffic control. But instead, the government pays for all that stuff out of your tax dollars, and it makes the price seem lower, and that means you use it more. So our government policies, all the subsidizing, create this hyper use of resources, which I don't, I'm not a fan of, but as a libertarian, I know just uh, dismantling that the government policies would do tremendous things for a sustainable environment, if you want to use that uh, politically charged term. But this, I couldn't figure out this climate agreement in Paris, and I decided, because uh, there were a lot of protests, and I thought, oh, climate agreements are always ways to undermine your sovereignty and all this, but the environmentalists were protesting it, and then I read into it a little bit, and I decided or determined that it was designed to fail, and I and it was I figured it out. Or I this is why I think so. Is a quote I read in the Washington Post that said they were talking about how this agreement is basically non-binding. It's even voluntary limits, voluntary compliance. It has 194 countries signed up to it, but no real enforcement mechanism to make you do it. So it says, the Washington Post says, quote, international agreements can contribute to cooperation, but they do so within the constraints of an anarchic international system, a world without a world government. And then I realize that they will, uh, I don't know, but it seems to me, this is what I'm predicting, that over time, over the next, whatever, five years, it will be clear that this uh, climate accord is not making any difference. And of course, there's no trustworthy way to measure it they fudge the numbers lots of different ways you could uh put data together to say whatever you want and that's been exposed like in climate gate where they were found to actually data mine find little bits of information that was deliberately supported their stuff without really being a scientific thing but that that over time, this climate accord will seem like a total failure, and they will point to the fact that, well, it has to be a failure because there's no mechanism, there's no true world authority to get countries in line. And if we want to save the planet, we really need a world government that has teeth. And I and I I noticed, uh, you know, a lot of that that worldwide cooperation stuff being the thing that is pointed to for this climate accord. Obama said, we can't do this alone, you know, and was implying that this was a great day for uh, international cooperation. The Wired magazine said, whether you're an optimist or a pessimist, it's phenomenal that 195 countries came together on anything at all. So all this stuff, makes me think that the environmental issue is still being used actively for a justification for world government. So you could go down the path of war, or you could go down the path of global warming, or anything that unites people in the face of a common enemy, or uh, or something that would require a unifying global force to keep us from total destruction. So that was my number eight. Number seven 
is this, uh, I'm sure it's on the top of everybody's list or near there, uh, these racial police issues, Black Lives Matter movement, whatever, that the issue with police overreach is racial in nature. And that's what I think is, is is the agenda item that we're not seeing, that they're not talking about. It's that when you look at the the some of these videos you see of cops shooting people suspects i don't know first of all i think they're highly manipulated you rarely see the whole thing from beginning to end you're told a narrative about it that may or may not be true and the the but the but what you you can definitely be noticing even with the most accurate data i think is that there's a movement from the top down to to militarize the police to change the strategy to kind of shoot first ask questions later i don't think this comes from rogue cops there's a lot of police officers in my family on my my cousins and stuff in new york and they they care about their jobs they care about their pensions they're not deciding to do crazy things it reminds me of when i worked in an investment bank and people made huge bonuses. And I remember the sexual harassment seminars. I was one of, I was the one of only two women hired in 40 people in my class. So it was 38 men and two women. It was a very male-dominated environment. And the sexual harassment speech was, hey, man, why would you risk your huge bonus on talking dirty to your secretary? Like, spend your bonus on a mistress, but don't lose your job yeah, so I, I don't think that the cops are rogue or, you know, out to get people. I think it's a systematic thing. It's coming down from the top. And paradoxically, I feel like this whole movement of trying to frame it in racial terms keeps us from uniting against what is our common interest in maintaining our rights and having a uh, some control over these civil servants who should be in our community protecting us there are also some great videos here in georgia of cops and citizens and open carry and mutual respect because we're all on the same team or we can be but to make uh i think what's happening here is it's dividing dividing the people up so that it feels like it's a, a racial divide, and it's also kind of getting the police to distance from a feeling of solidarity with the people. Because when you bring back soldiers and you have a lot of cops, you you have this, like, for example, is an organization called the Oath Keepers. They took an oath to the Constitution, their law enforcement military, and they promised that they will uphold that oath, even if their bureaucratic superiors tell them to fire against the people and civil unrest or whatever. So there's a real problem with a, an armed faction of society who are generally patriots being a risk to the government carrying out what it wants. So the more of a wedge, I believe, they can drive between the cops and the people or the military and the people or, or militarize the police, I feel like uh, that's in preparation for making sure those guys stay on the side of the authorities and making sure us as a population are divided. So I did have some predictions about this, which were pretty interesting. 
I said, and now I'm just going to read the stuff that's like straight out of my notes from last year of what I said would happen in 2015. I had uh, continued nationalization of the police, uh, normalized police procedures. So I would say that like the federal government wants to take a part in telling the police how to act, which you've definitely seen this year. I think actually it came out in the middle of the year, a task force study on that around the time of the Baltimore riots. Continued militarization of the police. I've been talking about that for a couple of years. I wrote camera up the cops. And that was exactly what I thought was the purpose of the Walter Scott story and the Freddie Gray story being promoted at the same time. Walter Scott was killed by cops and the cop was brought uh, up on charges right away. Freddie Gray was the guy who was um, getting into the paddy wagon and kind of resisting that. And we don't know what really happened. And it was all mysterious. And I thought that the nature of that. Uh, the way the media covered that was no surveillance, no justice. You know, we if we had total surveillance all the time, we'd know it was happening. So I think cameraing up the cops is a big part of that. But here was the thing that I said that was really prescient. Increase crime by reducing enforcement in inner cities. I, I remember Obama saying something like, you know, the cops have to be more considerate in inner cities. And I was like, really? You really want to pull back on the cops in inner cities? You think that's the right thing to do for law-abiding citizens? And lo and behold, that is what happened in the Freddie Gray case in Baltimore. They pulled back on the cops and murder spiked immediately that weekend. Boy, did I see that coming. So, because the government needs crime for you to worship it. Anyway, so that's uh, number seven, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez, with your top news stories of 2015, and I'll give you my my take on that right after the break. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB, talking about, from a libertarian perspective, all the things that have happened in 2015. So I'm going to uh, read your tweets and your posts. Take your calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. And I'm also going to give you my top 10 and uh, how I look at those from a libertarian perspective, just even if that means not falling for all the, uh, the spin that's put on at the national level, uh, in the media and the government. I'll read one post I got from JJ. He says, This could, in hindsight, turn out as the pivot year. The war on terror has clearly been proven false thanks to Russia's bombing spree and exposure of direct support for ISIS by our allies. The staged shooting events have been so sloppy that they're almost laughable and more people are recognizing it. The pedophilia revelations threaten to discredit regimes globally. Lots of potential here. That the eye was definitely tuned into the pedophilia thing, waiting for it to come out. There were scandals, arrests. Uh, there was a, a Florida guy who was convicted of kind of sex trafficking. Prince Andrew of England was implicated in that. Bill Clinton's name and numbers appeared in this guy's file of facts or whatever, his address book. And I noticed when I was in London on vacation last year that there was this huge scandal we didn't even get wind of. 140 
uh, government, high-level government officials in the UK had uh, pedophilia dossiers that disappeared. And the guy who was responsible for them disappearing died. And it was only after he died that it came out that this stuff was gone forever. Sorry. I mean, that is really going too far to... To, these guys are so above the law they can get away with that stuff. It's pretty crazy. So, uh, but there is a lot there. You're right, JJ. Uh, I want to also give away this weekend's McDonald's prize pack. There is one, even though it is a holiday weekend. Let's see if uh, who's ready with the uh, phone 404 a family four-pack of tickets to see an upcoming Atlanta Gladiators game at Infinite Energy Arena. So that's always fun. And you, the first person to call that number, 404-741-0750, gets that. And I uh, am going to take a quick call. I'm going to Virginia in Gainesville. Hi, Virginia. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. I think you're awesome. Thanks. I just wanted to, I, I just wanted to weigh in. Did you hear... Um, that uh, the president said that he had no idea that people were upset with the terrorism in California and Paris because he didn't watch cable TV enough, allegedly. I, I noticed that headline zip by, but that kind of stuff, why do they, they wouldn't even give it that kind of PR or whatever if it weren't meant to, Freak people out, but what 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 was the significance of that? That's just not even believable. I know that's my thing. I mean, the whole year with him seems to me that he really is disconnected with America. I think so that's that true, though. I so bad. Yeah, I do think that he is disconnected. I I get the feeling that he is literally a mouthpiece. I don't think he's unintelligent, but I think. When these guys spend billions of dollars to get you into office, they're not waiting to find out what you what you're gonna do. <laughs> you know? They're writing your speeches for you. Well, I'm really worried about twenty sixteen because I, I really hope that you know, at this point I hope he stays in Hawaii. What's your number one concern about twenty fifteen before twenty sixteen before I go to the break? Number one concern. Healthcare. Oh, that it's here forever? Obamacare is here forever? Yep, yep. I'm a healthcare worker. Oh, see, I think that's true, that it is going to be. And even if you get a Republican, they don't say we're going to repeal it and privatize healthcare. They say repeal and replace. So I am afraid that that's going to be with us forever, and it's the tipping point. The economy is going to be more than 50% government. You can never go back from that, in my opinion. But I'm going to continue with my list. Thanks a million for the call, Virginia. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.